Shall we pray? Our precious Father, we want to thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Thank you for the families. Lord, we know this is your heart. You love families so much that you spend all you can to make families to be what you want them to be. But most of the time, we don't go your way. And that's when we fall into trouble. And precious Father, we come today asking that you continue to direct us. Even when we miss it, Father, we pray you direct us. And I pray that by the end of this family month, Father, every family will come together. Those that have problems, Father, they will receive solutions to their, to their problems. Those that are doing well, Father, they will continue to do better. We well, thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for speaking through me. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow, I can't believe it. This is uh, another year for family month. The year flies so fast. And then we thank God there is a great change from what it was last year. And we pray that next year is going to be better. Praise the Lord. Yeah, our theme is love without stopping. Love without stopping. And it's taken from 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14, message. Love without stopping. And this is what God wants us to do. That's the type of life God wants us to live. To love without stopping. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to talk about, my topic is uh, make your home God's dwelling place. Make your home God's dwelling place. So it is our responsibility as children of God to make our homes to be God's dwelling place. A home where God dwells is a home where Christ is at the center. A home where God dwells is a home where Christ is at the center. In other words, God can only dwell in homes where Christ is honored above all things. And this is the decision we have to make. That's the decision we have to make. Is Christ honored in our homes? As I go through this message, I want each and every one of us to begin to think, to reflect that what you are hearing today, is it what is happening in my home? And that's where you set your prayer points and ask God to direct you. Praise the Lord. It is a home where everyone in that family lives under the dictate of the word of God. Living under the dictate of the word of God. In other words, whatever you want to do, you check what the word of God says about that thing. And that's what you're going to do. 
And the word of God says, don't go there, don't go. If it says go, you go. It is a home where everyone respects and honor God's word. Parents, do we honor God's word? Because when we do read the Bible in the presence of our children, then they will follow suit. They will know that you honor God. Family is an institution created by God and it mirrors the relationship between Christ and the church. When God sees our family, he wants to see our family to reflect their image, the image of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God started the first family in the Garden of Eden. And his plans to create family is to raise uh, godly children. Let's look at um, Genesis 2, 18 to 24. And it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. For God to say that this is not good. Remember that when he created everything, he looked at everything and said, this is good. But now he sees, he created man, then he says it's not good that man should stay alone. He, is planning, he was planning something else for man. And he's planning family for man. Verse 19, so the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the, of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the, air, of the sky, and all wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed it up and closed up the opening. 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, some translation will say, now. Adam says, at last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So when you read this type of thing, you begin to wonder or begin to imagine how God values family. All these things I just read now is in preparation, which we see later, you know, of building families. Genesis 1.27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. So when God created or made man in his own image, according to Genesis 1.27, he made a husband and wife yoked together as one flesh. This means the marriage relationship 
is a model of God representing Trinity. I want a sister faculty, and let me just see if I can demonstrate, uh, do some demonstration here for us to understand. Brother Chris, actually, church. Can you guys stay? Come closer to you. No, no. Yeah, yeah, move, move. No, you come here. You move forward, okay. Move closer. Now, this represents God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's the triumph God. I brought three families because I want them to stay together. So you guys stay together. They decided in January, I mean, sorry, in Genesis 1, Well, it's still January, because that January is the beginning of the year. And Genesis is the beginning of the year. Praise the Lord. So in Genesis 1, God said, let us create man in our own image. Just to look, so that man will look like them. Let us create man in our own image. And then he came to Genesis 2. God now created man. Remember, God wants man to look like the Trinity, the three of them. So he now created Adam. Okay, when he created Adam, he saw that Adam was incomplete, that he needed to be completed. He said, it's not good. He created everything. I said, everything is good. But this man, it's not good that you be alone. So I'm going to give you a helper. So he now took a rib from him and then and then brought her to Adam. Does this look like this? No. So God what what God wants uh, our marriage to reflect this. So what he did was, now this guy now, God became born again, that accepted Christ now, and then he is Christ, and this is the Holy Spirit, okay? So it, God himself will now present himself in this for them to look like uh, this. So that's a complete. So when, when God looks at our marriage, this is what he sees. When Satan looks at our marriage, this is what he sees. And that's why he gets so jealous and tries to destroy marriage. Thank you. So, so the, the idea is this, that knowing fully well what Satan wants to do, because whatever God created, Satan will try to destroy. He will try to destroy. So he cannot stand to see marriage reflecting God. He will do everything he can. 
And this is why we should all be very careful to know what to do so that he will not uh, destroy us. And when you look at uh, what is happening in this world now, the world has a different definition for marriage, quite different from what the Bible says about marriage. And it's getting worse and worse. And our children has to be taught what the real marriage is. If you guys know what I'm talking about. What the real marriage is. Because even in their school, they are not teaching them what the real marriage is. Praise the Lord. So when the world see Christian marriage, they should see the gospel. Our marriage can, you know, turn people to Christ. When they see husband and wife living together in the way God wants them to live, then you can win souls. Your marriage can win souls. So our marriage is a gospel. Every Christian marriage should glorify Christ. Any marriage that glorifies men must surely die. And this is people married to glorify men, to glorify themselves. There's so many, many, so many, uh, uh, I would say, ideas about marriage. Some marry for money. Some marry just for children's sake. Some marry gives different reasons. Some marry just to, you know, boost the ego. So any marriage that is not uh, for the glory of God can never stand. But we have 100% of success if, we, if our marriage is done God's way because God has never created anything that fails. Praise the Lord. So when a marriage does not function properly, it destroys the image of God. And it breaks down every aspect of the society. I know when, 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 my, when the home is good, the society is good. The reason we have problems in society today is because the home is, is messed up. Most of the homes, the, 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 the fathers are not there. It's just the mother. And the mother is not even caring for them so much. You know, and this is why we have uh, problems everywhere. Armed robbers and you know, rapists and people do whatever they do. Parents don't take good care of their children. So oneness, I say here, oneness is very important. Without oneness, marriage cannot uh, stand. Without you being one with your husband, with your husband or with your wife, marriage cannot stand. A good marriage is the strength of the church. A good marriage is, is the strength of society. And a good marriage is the strength of the world. Homes have been under attack from the beginning of creation. As soon as God brought Eve to Adam, Satan became restless, like I, like I say here, because he knew that when he destroys the home, the church will fall, and when the church falls, the nation will also be affected. So Satan is fighting, fighting to destroy home. So it is interesting to say that all the time Adam was by himself, 
You remember when God asked him to name all the animals. So all the time when God created Adam, Adam was in the Garden of Eden by himself. And Satan never attacked him. Satan didn't do anything to him. He did everything. He was moving around. God was visiting him. And he was going out with God. You know. So until God now created Eve and brought Eve to Adam. So Satan now saw that a family is going to stand to challenge him. So what he did was to destroy the first marriage in the Garden of Eden. And he didn't end there. He followed them home and destroyed their home. Cain killed his brother Abel. That's the first recorded murder in the Bible. So Satan cannot leave you alone as long as uh, you have a very strong marriage. But he can only penetrate when that oneness is destroyed. Once you and your husband are one, maintain that oneness. And once you maintain that oneness, God is there with you. He cannot do anything. Praise the Lord. So actually, Genesis 3 is not the fall of man. I can say that Genesis 3 is the fall of or destruction of marriage. Like I said, Satan didn't do anything to Adam. As soon as <clears throat> he got married in Genesis 3, he destroyed them by separating both of them. So this is why we must have to guide our marriage by not giving the devil a chance to come into our homes. The devil will always fight anything designed by God. So when you walk into a, a Christian home, how do you know that this is a Christian home? Number one, there has to be peace. There has to be peace. Any Christian home that doesn't have peace is not a Christian home. John 14, 27, TPT, says, I leave the gift of peace with you. That's Christ, Jesus Christ saying, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile, fragile peace given by the world. So he said, I'm not giving you the world peace, I'm giving you my own peace. But my perfect peace, don't yield to fear or be troubled in your heart. Instead, be courageous. So when you get into any Christian home, there has to be peace. And that, that peace will give you the joy of staying there. There has to be peace, there has to be joy. The children will be obedient. In Christian homes, children are supposed to obey their parents. This is what is expected of them by the Lord. Praise the Lord. Colossians 3.20, TPT says, Let the children respect and pay attention to their parents in everything. For this pleases uh, our Lord Jesus. 
So as a child, if you want to please God, continue to obey your parents. In NLT translation says, children, always obey parents. Always obey parents. For this pleases uh, the Lord. The only time a child can disobey his parents if his parents is trying to persuade him to do something contrary to what God is saying, contrary to what the Bible says. Otherwise, whether your parents is treating you nice or not, you have to obey. And the reason is this. God asks you to obey. So when you obey your parents, actually you're not obeying them. You're obeying God. You're obeying God in your command. And God himself will come to rescue you. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 6, 1 to 3 says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. He said, Obey them because you belong to the Lord. Much as they are parents, but remember, you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Praise the Lord. Let me read the TPT. TPT says, children, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents and do what they tell you, and the Lord will help you. Two, for the commandment, honor your father and your mother, was the first of the Ten Commandments with a promise attached. You will prosper and live a long, full life if you honor your parents. So because of this, it's important we know how do we honor our parents. We know the right thing to do, but I have some points you know, listed out here to help us. How do you honor your parents? Number one is do not criticize your parents. Do not criticize your parents. No matter what they do, don't criticize them. Talk well of them publicly and privately. Let your parents be your model. Tell people how good your parents are. Take care, number two, take care of your parents. I said Bible passage for that. Matthew, I mean, sorry, Mark 7, I didn't give you that. Mark 7, 9 to 13. Said, then he said, you show great skill in avoiding the commands of God so that you can follow your own teachings. Moses, but then Moses said, you must respect your father and mother. He also said, whoever says anything bad to their father or mother must be killed. 11, but you teach, you teach the people, but you teach the people can, but you can say to their father or mother, I have something I could use to help you, but I will not use it for you. I will give it to God. Twelve, you are telling people that they do not have to do anything for their father or mother. So you are teaching that it is not important to do what God said. You think it is more important to follow those traditions you have which you pass on to others, and you do many things like that. You know, following the tradi tradition and then 
using your tradition not to help your parents. That's what Moses is saying. I said that if we ever, but that's Old Testament though, you know, causes for our parents should be killed. Three, how do we honor our parents? Be thankful for them and always show gratitude. Be thankful for them. Whatever they give you, you see, this, they go, uh, you know, out of their way to please you. So be thankful when they do something for you. Communicate with them. Communicate with your parents. Always call them on the phone. Good thing we, we all have cell phones now. You know, you can always call them and know, see, check on them, see how they're doing. My daughter sometimes, my daughter will, will be bugging me phone, Daddy, I just want to know how you're feeling. I just want to know how you're doing. I said, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Number five, talk to them and treat them with respect. You're going to talk to, to when you're talking to your parents, you're going to talk to them, you know, with respect. Seek their advice and wisdom. Some of us, we just do things without communicating, you know, telling our parents, asking them for their own advice. You think that they're too old to know. But sometimes, my, my, one of my uh, uh, sons got into trouble, you know, because of that. He wanted to buy a, big, a, big, a, a bigger car. He said, no, why don't you go for a smaller car? So he didn't, he didn't listen to what I said. He bought a bigger car. He drove for, for uh, one year, about a year, bought a big Mercedes. He couldn't pay for it again. But if he had bought, like Toyota suggested, he would have been driving the car till now. So sometimes, you know, we think, parents think, we want to do good things. We're not trying to de- deprive our children, you know, to enjoy life. Pray for them and pray with them. Always remember them in prayer as they to remember you in prayer. There's no day we don't pray for our children. You should also pray for your, you know, for your parents. Encourage your parents. Sometimes they come, they are, you know, they are, are downcast. You know, they probably what, what, what they uh, uh, had at work or maybe things, the business is not going well. Try to encourage them. Don't add, add to their sufferings. Forgive your parents. Understand that everybody makes mistakes and your parents are not an exception. They are not an exception. They too are human beings. They can make mistakes. And the last one is always tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. Well, children, don't worry. This is uh, part one. Part two, I'm going to talk about parents. And I'm going to talk about submission and uh, that will be next Sunday. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 1, 8 to 10 says, My son, listen to your father when he corrects you. And don't ignore what your mother teaches you. What you learn from your parents will bring you honor and respect like a crown or a gold medal. My son, those who love to do wrong will try to trick you. Don't listen to them. I like that. So you know who your friends are. 
people you mingle with. Make sure they are Christians, so that not people that want to dupe you. I'll talk a little bit about parents. Parents have responsibilities in building God's house too. As a parent, God has given us the responsibility of directing our children to follow his ways. Malachi 2.15 says, Didn't the Lord make you one of your wife? Sorry, make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guide your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. This is what God wants from us, godly children. And you cannot have godly children if you're not one with your wife. If there's no peace in your house, you can't have godly children. I mean, because uh, your child, the first contact, the first person they see, they want to emulate, you know, is the parents. And if you're not showing them the will of the Lord, if you are the type that will like to drop them in the church and then go back home and start you know, watching football or reading paper. That's, 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 a, that's, that's a, the impression you're giving them, that God does not mean much to you. So what they see is what they do. Genesis 18, 19. I have made a special agreement with him. Talking about Abraham now. God said, I've made a special agreement with Abraham. I did this so that giving us the reason why he did it, why he made that special agreement with Abraham. I did this so that he will command his children and his descendants to live the way the Lord wants them to. It's so much important to God, children. It's so much important to him that we will lead our children through the right way, through his own path, to know him, to love him. He said, this is why I chose Abraham. I did this so that they would live right and be fair. Then the Lord can give him what I promise. You see how this is, how that, the promise he promised Abraham is tied up to bringing his children to follow his way. It's tied up. So he said, then I, the Lord, can give him what I promised. Because if, 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 if Abraham did not bring his children the right way, I don't think that God would have done all those things you know, he did for him. I don't think that God would have uh, given him you know, everything to make him comfortable. But because God saw in him that this is the man I'm going to choose, because this is the man that is going to lead children. And this is what he was. Imagine where every family in this world Direct their children, you know, to live God's way. There won't be any problem. But the problem we have is that children are not being taken care, you know, good care of. And when, if we start today, it's, it's, it's still good. Praise the Lord. Proverbs twenty-two six, which you know, it says, "Dedicate your children to God, and point them in the way that they should go." And he says, and the values they have learned from you will be with them for life. The values, what they learn from you 
will be with them, indelibly in them, will be in them for life. They will never forget it. They will never, never forget it. Colossians 2.21, TPT says, and fathers, don't have unrealistic, this is very important, unrealistic expectations for your children or else they may become discouraged. You want them to be what you want them to be. It's not what they want to be. They want to be probably an engineer, but you want them to be a medical doctor. But he has told you that this is, I can't, I can't do that. My son, my son, Sisi, we wanted him to be a medical doctor, being the, you know, the first one. But he said, no, I, want to, I can't stand blood. You know, that, that the sight of blood you know, scares him. So he went the other way, and we encouraged him to be an engineer. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 29, 17. Correct your children whenever they are wrong. Then you will always be proud of them. They will never make you ashamed. See, correcting children is good. When they are wrong, tell them why I am doing this. Correct them. And they will appreciate it. I remember, I remember uh, in Nigeria um, when they were trying to assassinate uh, one uh, armed robber. Um, and uh, he requested that uh, uh, his mother would come and you know, see, see him for the last time. So they, they, they brought his mom. And he was, you know, he was hung, tied up, and they were almost about to start shooting. So he said, Mom, come, I want to tell you something. So the mom, you know, he said, bring your ear, let me, I want to whisper something to your ear. And then he, he just beat, you know, his, his, his ear out with, with anger. He said, all those things I was doing, you didn't correct me. You didn't teach me the right thing. He said, a child, my wife uh, was a teacher at, uh, at um, um, OB Chief is not here, North here, North here Grammar School. And then one time um, I ran into this, uh, uh, one of the ex-students, and then he said, uh, Mr. Zanya, how is your wife, I said she's fine. And you know what she said? He said, he said, your wife taught me, but he f- she flogged me. Oh. <laughs> she, she flogged me. But I thank God she flogged me because I would have been, you know, a useless guy. But he, you know, he corrected me. He said, when, when you're doing those things, they will not appreciate it, but in the long run, they will begin to appreciate it. He said, well, I'm, I thank God that you did this. You put me right. Praise the Lord. I want us to know that marriage is, is ordained by God. So marriage is God's idea. And because God is the one that instituted marriage, it has to be done his way for us to have a good test of it. And this is why most marriages fail. It is clear that God not only approves Biblical marriage, 
he hopes all will enter into this holy and sacred uh, institution. Praise the Lord. Marriage also is a covenant. A covenant is a promise that involves God. You saw it when I demonstrated it. It's a covenant. God is involved in Christian marriages. In the Bible, we learn that marriage is a covenant. And let me say, let me, let me say this. I thank God for this church. I know it's been a long time because every family month, most, most of the family months, we do renew our vow. And uh, to just to remind ourselves the vow we made when we got married. Most of us, we don't keep it. For better, for worse. <laughs> Most of us don't keep it. And that's where the problem is. All those vows, the vow we made in the presence of God, we just take it lightly. You know, say so we can go for a honeymoon. It's very important that we keep to that vow. And when we keep to that vow, we won't have any problem, you know, with our marriage. I'm not saying that there's no perfect marriage, but at least... God will know that you are doing something. Don't just be there and then whatever you see, you take. You have to work for it. Work on your marriage. Take your wife to Macy's like Pastor does. <laughs> and give her your credit card. Whatever, let her spend whatever you want. We went to Hawaii. We went to Hawaii. We went to Hawaii, uh, you know, during um, last. Um, conf- uh, uh, conference, and then I was with, uh, with, pa- with Pastor, and he gave his wife his credit card to go in there and buy whatever he, she wanted. <laughs> she got lost because it, it was so much that she, did, she got so carried away. I want this, I want that, I want that. But it gives Pastor joy that his wife is spending, what? His money. So in Malachi 2.14, 2, it says, Yet you say, wherefore, because, wherefore, because the Lord had been witness, like I said in that vow, between the, between the between you and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and the wife of your covenant. You treat them nice. I was uh, I I called my wife one time. I said, Well, you know, I don't think I should be calling you baby. That baby is too heavy on my mouth. I think you are not a babe. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you can see how important uh, marriage is to God. Even in John 2... One, we know about that, the marriage at uh, Cana. Jesus Christ was there. He left everything he would have done and went to 
a marriage ceremony. The next day, there was a wedding in celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. His mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. So we're supposed to do whatever the word of God tells us to do. Mary knew his son very well. That he said that my time has not come. But he went, she went ahead and asked the servant to do whatever he tells you to do because he knows, she knows that he will come back and, and, do, and help them out. Because whoever has his faith or trust in God will never be put to shame. Praise the Lord. John 1, 12 to 13. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are born, they are reborn, not with physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but birth that comes from God. So we all are born again. We are born again by God. Like we owe our, our care, our dealings, you know, to our parents for bringing us into this world. So what John is telling us now, when you give your life to Christ, you are born by God. You are now a new person. And you begin to think. Your thinking is supposed to change. Our thinking is supposed to change from what it used to be. Paul says, you used to. This life, you used to live that life before. And since you used to, you turn to the new life, which is the life of a born-again Christian. Praise the Lord. I'm just uh, have two or four more minutes. Okay. John John one. Okay, I just read it. Okay, John three sixteen to seventeen. I'm going to NLT. We know this. So for this. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So we, have, we all know the mission of Christ to save the world. 
and not to destroy the world. So in this case, our marriage, someone said that uh, if, you don't, if you don't get your marriage together, that is, is a sure way of going to hell. Because if you don't live right in your home, then, I don't want to use the word disappointment, if you don't, if you don't live right, you are mis- misleading a lot of people. You are misleading your children. Like I said, children learn a lot. What mama does or what papa does is what they know. That's the first thing they practice. That's the first thing they practice. Okay, I'm going to close with this, um, this family, these two families. So there were two distinct families. Now, I want us to see the, the benefit of training our children to follow God's way. I'm going to compare this family with a family, but well, this is a true story, a family that uh, don't know God. So there were two distinct families that live in the same city at the same time. They live in the same city at the same time. One is born again family and the other family did not believe in God at all. That's Mr. Max, Max Duke's family. Did not believe in God and never brought his children to church. So according to history, he has 1,020 descendants. Out of those 1,020 descendants, 300 of them were serving prison terms. They are in prison. 120 were prostitutes. And 600 were alcoholics. On the other family, Jonathan Edwards had 929 descendants. 86 of them were university professors. 400 of them were ministers, ministers of God. Then 13 of them were president of universities. 75 of them were authors of good books. Then five of them were elected Congress in the United States. Then two of them were senators. And one of them became the vice president of the United States. Now, you see the difference. Bringing your children the right way, it pays a lot. It gives you a peace of mind that even when you are no more in this world, you know that you left a good legacy for them to follow. What a difference it makes when parents train their children to follow the way of the Lord. Jesus Christ says in John 14, 15, he says, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. So loving me empowers you to obey 
my commands. So when you have problems, the love of God, like Paul said, will control you, prepare you to do what God wants you to do. It's not something you can do on your own. But having faith and trust in God will help you to achieve what you want to achieve. Will help you to direct your children the way God wants them to be directed. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. My precious Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you've taught us today. Making it known to us again that you love us so much but you want our families to reflect that oneness. You want our families, our marriages to reflect your image, the image of the Trinity. Help us for that to accomplish this because apart from you, we can do nothing. But with you, we can do all things. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.